When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. A big hello and welcome, everybody. Uh, Brett Phillips with you for another big episode of the First Serve, uh, covering uh, the world of tennis. Very nice to be with you on this uh, Monday night. You know the number. Uh, we love your interaction uh, talking the world of uh, tennis. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That is the number to call if you want to join in the tennis conversation tonight. The Tennis Direct text, if you prefer that way, 0433981116. Also available too. You can go shopping at Tennis Direct, as you're listening to us tonight, Australia's favourite online tennis store, fast delivery, magnificent prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So log on tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. There's that little promo code you can use as well. First serve, all one word, one zero. Get a nice little discount on all your goodies. Uh, on the B Solar menu tonight, your calls. Todd Langham is going to join us, the longtime coach of the Nasi Kokonakis. Uh, our first serve look inside the playing group's frustrations with uh, Tennis Australia's wildcard decision-making. More on that very shortly. You can weigh in on that and any other tennis topic tonight, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 or text 0433981116. You call, you get on, it's as simple as that. And you go into contention to be our best caller for the month of February to win a case of US Open XD Tennis 3-ball, which is 24 cans to a case, the official ball of the US Open, plus a 30-pack of Wilson Pro Overgrip used by many pros on the tour, and also, and the steak knives will come later, six uh, Luxel and Alu Power 125 sets, the top string on tour, superior power, control, and spin potential, all thanks to Wilson. So all that can be yours by calling you to the show as our best caller during the month of February, one 736 736 Well, another week completed... Let's start on court, shall we? As the tour settled into its routine post the two weeks of the Australian Open, the men competing on the ATP Tour, the WTA, having a week's break. And that's it. It's Sasha Bublik jumping for joy because he's finally done it at the fifth time of asking in his fifth final. It's a delightful smile for Bublik, who played a simply sensational match. He's a delighted man. The fans are roaring their applause to a popular character, a lovely wave, and he's done it. 
a straight sets win for the man in black. He can't believe he's a champion on the tour once again. Joao Sosa, we salute you. Look at the scenes in Pune. He feared he may never play again, let alone win a title again. What a final. And what a champion. Saving match points in the semi-final and coming from behind again in the championship match. This is going to mean so, so much to him. It means so much for any player on tour just to win a title. We, we, we speak about you know how hard it is to win a Grand Slam, but just to win a tour title. Uh, so many players are going to wait a fair chunk into their tennis journey just to win a title. But let's start with uh, Elbot Ramos Vinolas, the uh, Spanish uh, veteran who uh, I introduced as part of the uh, ATP Cup squad. He didn't actually get a Guernsey uh, for Spain. Very, very strong, of course, in uh, team competition. But two hours and 41 minutes to beat a young guy who... I saw close-up play for Argentina. Uh, second, uh, of course, ranked uh, Diego Schwartzman, uh, Alejandro Tabilo, who's uh, a really good rising player. He's up to 111 in the rankings. Keep an eye on this uh, guy, not Argentina, from um, Chile, I should say, uh, behind Christian Garin. Close, geographically. You know what I mean. Uh, but Albert Ramos Finolas uh, rallied from two breaks down in the third set. He was a breakdown in the second. Fourth career title. He was runner-up uh, last year. And the Spaniard never does things totally easily, but uh, he's had to, you know, over the course of his career, work so hard just to win four ATP titles. But he's kept his ranking inside the top 100 for uh, for some time. Uh, Santiago Gonzalez and uh, Andre Maltini. It's normally Maximo Gonzalez and Maltini playing a lot of doubles together. In fact, they're going to team up at the Argentina Open this week, but it was Santiago who teamed up uh, with Maltini as the top seeds to win the doubles. As you heard in commentary there... Alexander Bublik, well, he's sort of like our, he's like our Nick Kyrgios, but he's getting a better result than Kyrgios uh, right now. And uh, he's made an ATP Tour title, 24 years of age, first top five win. He was 0-4 and four in finals uh, coming in. He's now beaten big sashes very twice. Beat him in Rotterdam uh, last year. Personal best last year, 35 victories, a couple of finals. He's 7-2 and two to start this year. We know he's a mercurial talent. He's always got a smile on his face. He's prepared to uh, go outside the norm and play the trick shots and the, the lower percentage shots. And you sort of, you know, you look at those guys and you, go, you just want to reel them in, get the best out of yourself. Well, now he's starting to get the best out of himself. He's younger than uh, Kyrgios, but they're, they're similar in the way they sort of go about it. There's times when they want to be dead set serious and really play and other times where they just cannot be bothered. But he is starting to take uh, the next step. What's interesting in that tournament, in uh, Montpellier indoors in France in the last week. Alexi Popperin, we'll talk about the Davis Cup squad in just a moment. He's 1-4 and four at the moment. Lost to Krajinovic, 7-5, uh, 6-3. Uh, so he gets another opportunity in Rotterdam uh, this week. And we'll just see what sort of form he can potentially build uh, during February with a decision to be made. Who plays that second singles rubber behind Alex uh, Divanor. Uh, Hebert and Mahou, what a star pairing. They've been in men's doubles. They won uh, the top seeds in Montpellier. And as you heard in Pune, it was uh, Joao Souza. Wow, what a whim. Uh, up 51 spots to 86 in the world. He beat uh, Emil Roussevori, who went up 16 spots to 71. We had Emil on the show uh, last year, of course, in Kazakhstan. Very good young Finnish player who's certainly making a fair bit of noise. 
But uh, Souser was absolutely terrific winning uh, that event. And, of course, it was Luke Seville and also J.P. Smith who finished uh, runner-up in uh, in the doubles uh, to a very experienced pair. Well, certainly one in uh, Bopana and Ramanathan, the uh, Indian duo, the number two seeds who won uh, that match in the tiebreaker 10 uh, points to six. But, of course, uh, Luke and J.P. will head off to Dallas uh, this week, which is a nice little uh, segue into uh, Luke Seville. The Australian Davis Cup team named to play Hungary, March 4-5, to Ken Rosal Arena in Sydney. So I reckon they've probably got this right. Demonor picks himself as our number one player in singles. Popperin, not in the best of form at the moment, but he's the future and he can play big matches. So I think you've got to start picking him now on a regular basis. Kokonakis has knocked down the door and said, let me in, my results have done the talking in January, and he's the option to play singles and doubles. John Pearce picks himself as our doubles specialist just outside the top 10, and Luke gets a Guernsey for the first time. I think we've all been crying out for our Davis Cup team and our ATP Cup team to have a regular doubles duo who can play together, build that synergy, and get some results. Rather than having one uh, regular doubles guy in John Pearce, and floating all these different partners. So Luke Saville across the weekend, the 113th Davis Cup player named, and our Jed Zetzer caught up with Luke, uh, who was in India, of course. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible feeling to, to finally get the call up. Been working you know, very hard for many years to, to get this opportunity. You know, Countless hours of training and, and dedication and commitment, a lot of travel, so to finally get the opportunity to get the call from Leighton yesterday was, you know, you say dream come true a lot, and some people put that lightly, but it's legitimately, you know, sort of how I sum it up, um, you know, to get 113 as well, um, that number, it's, it's very surreal. Uh, very proud of the work, uh, you know, myself, my whole team have put in to get this opportunity. And, you know, this is really why you play tennis, to be in a, a, a team environment and to play for not only yourself, for more than yourself, I should say. So uh, very happy, cannot wait to, to get back to Australia to play in Sydney. And, you know, whatever role I have to play in the tie, I'm, I'm ready to, to do that and um, give it my all for, you know, for the team and for um, the green and gold. You spoke about getting the call from Leighton. Have you got Leighton's number saved in your phone? Did you know sort of when you saw the number or his name pop up, did you have an inkling that that may have been what he was calling for? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got his, I've got his number. We've, we've spoken a little bit, you know, through ATB Cup and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I had a bit of an inkling. I knew the, you know, team announcements were um, yesterday. So uh, I was obviously very excited. The heart rate sort of skyrocketed um, pretty rapidly. So, uh, but, yeah, got, got the confirmation um, absolutely incredible news and um, just very thankful. I, I, you know, he expressed that he was very happy with my form uh, with John Pierce in the ATP Cup. Uh, he was really happy how I conducted myself playing for Australia. So some very nice words from him and that I got rewarded with this opportunity. So just very thankful and, and I'll try and put out um, similar efforts and performances at Davis Cup. He's a good young man. He was terrific uh, in his analysis with us as part of our Australian Open coverage. Uh, Luke Seville is going places. More focused on doubles than singles now. He's had to make that call, 28 years of age. He can certainly really uh, get up towards the top 10 potentially in doubles. And 
Uh, let's hope the Piers Seville combination can now become maybe a regular part of our Davis Cup uh, setup. All our on court action thanks to Yonex, 76 years of performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. Uh, Cleveland Open Challenger Tour across the weekend. Uh, the young man from Switzerland. When we think of Switzerland, obviously we think of uh, Roger and uh, Stan, who hasn't played since March uh, last year. There's a young uh, young kid we're just keeping a very close eye on, Dominic Stricker, seven five six one. He beat uh, Nishioka. In fact, they played each other the week before in Columbus, and the reverse result happened. But he's a young man who has got a ton of potential. Coming up uh, this week, Rotterdam, always a great feature indoors. Uh, the ATP 500, so Demonor to play Goffarm. Uh, gee, he's had a you know, tough period, Goffarm, the last 12 months, so that's a huge opportunity for Alex. Uh, Popperin's got Hutchinov, so that's not easy in the first round. He's 1-4 and four this year, trying to uh, build some form, but Rotterdam is always a great tournament to take a look at. Uh, we're in Dallas also, ATP 250, so Jordan Thompson trying to find some form this week. has got Feliciano Lopez, uh, still playing some incredible tennis at the age of 40, and John Millman, also trying to get his year going with a tough one against uh, Brandon Nakashima, the very good young player from the United States. Matty Reid uh, will play in the doubles. Uh, Luke Seville and JP from India to Dallas. That's a fair trick, but they'll uh, settle up this week. The Argentina Open. The comeback and soon-to-be retirement, it looks like, of Juan Martin Del Potro. The forgotten man, really, of professional tennis. Crueled by injury. The wrist and then the last four years, the knee. To think 2009, he won the US Open in five sets as a 20-year-old. And we're all thinking at the time, he's the one. He's the one that's really going to break the big three, the big four. Big in stature, heavy off the ground, popular wherever he went. But it certainly looks like the uh, the efforts to get back have taken its toll. So the next two weeks, the Argentina Open and then, of course, the Rio Open. Looks like it's going to be the finale for Juan Martin Del Potro. Give us your thoughts on where you think he might have gone, 0433981116 or 1300736736. If injury hadn't accrued his career, what sort of career do you think he might have had, Juan Martin? Because he has been an exceptional player, but uh, the wrist debilitating, the knee, he just has not been able to recover fully, which is a real shame. Uh, we're in India this week. ATP Challenger, Max Purcell will go around. In fact, uh, Kubler and Vukic are playing each other as we speak, so we'll keep an eye on that score. Unfortunately, Andrew Harris uh, didn't qualify, going down four and four only about a couple of hours ago. And there's an indoor tournament in France and Canberra on this week. So for our Aussies who haven't taken off abroad, the ITF on the men's and uh, the women's. So the 25K in Canberra, Santaland, Sweeney, Lee Two, Tristan Schoolcape, uh, Phil Sekulic, of course, now stepping out into the pros after playing all the junior slams uh, last year. Omar Jasika is one we've got a couple of asterisks next to. We know the story, the backstory of what he went through off court. Won the, what, 2014 US Open uh, boys and doubles, but he's qualified, so hopefully can get going this year. On the girls' side, Roddy Nova Hon, Gadecki back, who didn't want to be vaccinated, missed out on playing the Australian Open in the uh, the January summer of tennis, but she's back for this Canberra event. Jamie Foolis, Daria Gavrilova trying to get... Her year going, uh, Zoe Hives, uh, Talia Gibson qualifying. Uh, Leanne Cerner, we were talking about uh, this promising young player who, I look, I cracked a couple of forehands past when I went out and had a hit with her at Hume uh, last week, although Tim Connolly disputes that, as he did on the show uh, last week. But she qualified today, so well done to Leanne. And Stefani Webb, or Steffi as she prefers to be called, who we spoke to on this show 
late last year. She's also qualified. So two young girls who are certainly on the rise. So there is uh, plenty going on, uh, certainly on court. Uh, off court wise, uh, Ash Barty, one of six nominees for the prestigious Laureus Sportswoman of the Year. Uh, the first time that Barty has been nominated for the award, which has been presented annually uh, since the year 2000. She becomes the first Australian female tennis player to receive the honour. I'm saying she'll win. Absolute Monty to win it. Novak Djokovic in the next week has revealed he'll give his full side of the story in regards to his deportation from Australia for not being vaccinated. And the author of his upcoming autobiography later this year was on TV saying that Novak will now get vaccinated. He's got no choice. I mean, surely there's enough people in his ear right now saying Novak, 34, the opportunity to be the best statistically of all time, to break all the tennis records. Why would you give all that up because you've been stubborn about not being vaccinated. Your job requires you to jump on a plane frequently and travel around the world. And you've done a damn good job of your trade for a long, long time. So I think everything will fall into place there. I cannot see Djokovic giving up his whole career because it's just going to be a nightmare. If he's not vaccinated, career just about done. Both Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal aiming to play at the Labor Cup later this year, which could see the team, uh, that pair, team up in doubles for the last time. How good would that be? Come on, Roger. Let's get this knee going. Let's get yourself right. April. We're going to know about April, whether where Roger sits and whether he's going to be able to come back and play competitively. They're taking it uh, very slowly, the doctors. Uh, no clay court season for Andy Murray this year. The red dirt, not a suitable fit for his condition at the moment. That makes a lot of sense. And all this off-court news, thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching. They're brilliant partners of ours at Eaglemont Tennis Club, just off the Eastern Freeway. Junior and adult programs available, led by head coach Shane Scrutton. He's a beauty, over 30 years' experience, whose mission is simply to improve your game. Whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player, check out yarratennis.com.au. After the break, we're going to get our teeth into... A great read on our website, which has drawn a lot of traction in the last 24 hours. Inside the playing group's frustrations with Tennis Australia's wild decision-making. That's next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Always great to talk the world of tennis on a Monday night. We do it every Monday night right throughout the year. Brett Phillips with you. one 736 736 or on the text tonight, 0433981116. Wouldn't be a show without my man Harry in Belmore up in New South Wales. Harry, welcome back. Hello, Brett. Uh, look, I'd like to mention that Warren Woodcock, a very good tennis player, passed away at the weekend. What he did... was instrumental in bringing the Spaniards out, out here to Australia in about 1958. He bought out Andres Gimeno and the young junior, Jose Arrilla. He said that Warren, a very good player, made the Davis Cup squad a couple of years, but never played a match. Okay. I played against him in Blackwell Cup. He played for Eastern Suburbs. Excellent. And there, there were two Warrens in that team, Warren Woodcock and Warren Jakes. 
That's a, yeah, very sad news, uh, Harry, no doubt. Just before I let you go, I did hear about that on the weekend. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, there's so many great people that have been part of tennis. But, Harry, just before I let you go, you've been keeping well? and I want to. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the throat, we're in lockdown. We've been hey. in lockdown for seven weeks. We've only had one day really? that we could go to the garden. Otherwise, we're in the lounge and in our rooms. Okay. You can, hey, keep, keep, keep ringing in. Keep ringing in every week. Love hearing from you. All right? Okay, Brett. Thanks very much, mate. Good on you, Harry. Love his, uh, love his sort of walk down memory lane last year. And that's sad news. I did read about uh, Warren Woodcock over the weekend. So, um, yeah, our condolences. Certainly from the first serve to uh, the Woodcock uh, family. Bevo's in Adelaide. Bevo, welcome. BP, great to be on the show, mate. Um, love, the, love the show and everything you guys do with the first surf. Thank you. I uh, just just wanted to speak to you about you know, Ash Barty this year, mate. Uh, who do you think the biggest challenges are? And obviously uh, we saw Arena Sabalenka having a few issues there at the Adelaide International. So I just wanted to sort of hear your thoughts on, on the serve issues that she had as well. Mm. It's a big pack. I reckon Ash has given herself some separation now. And I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, Sabalenka until she can sort out the serving yips, until she can just sort out uh, how to play the really big matches at the business end of the slams, uh, there's still it's still a work in progress uh, from a, a mentality point of view and her game, trying to add some variety, trying to add, add some, uh, some subtlety, uh, certainly, you know, to her game. So there's a bit of work to do there. And then there's a big pack of players. Let's see what Coco Goff, how far she comes uh, this year, we were talking about on the show last week that women's tennis needs some real uh, rivalries, and maybe Coco Goff is the one who's younger, who can have sort of that great rivalry with Ash, who's a little older or considerably older, what eight years older. Uh, but right now, I'm not convinced um, of anyone on the women's tour who can maybe upstage Ash as we speak. I think she's really separated herself in the last uh, in the last twelve months, and she's what two and a half thousand points clear in that number one spot. Bevo, uh, thank you. Thank you for calling. 24 hours ago, we posted our latest feature article on thefirstserve.com.au and our social channels titled Inside the Playing Group's Frustrations with Tennis Australia's Wild Decision-Making. In relation to the hotly debated topic of who gets wild cards for the Aussie Summer of Tennis Tournaments. From our digital team, author of the article, Roddy Reynolds uh, joins us. Roddy, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, VP. Great read. It's got a lot of traction across the weekend through our social media, through our website. Just for those who aren't aware, tell us about how the story came about. Yeah, so it all sort of was brought to light by what Max Purcell had to say after his second round qualifying loss. Uh, He sort of teed off at Tennis Australia and a few select decision makers as to the fact that he didn't get a wild card into the main draw singles, which he felt he deserved. Um, so from there, I think the first serve socials, you know, sort of posted it and said, gee, how about this from Max? And then it, it could have probably been left there. But what happened next was there was an influx of commentary from current and past players. And so what they said was, gee, there's actually a bit in this. And so we held off, we did our research, waited for the dust to settle from the Australian Open. And then we spoke to some players. Um, for those that have read the piece, Tom Fancutt was a great chat and an unbelievable resource for us. 
And then um, we went to TA and we, we put what we'd learned to them and they came back with their comments. And so there's basically a, bit, a lot of unrest around the, the wildcard decision-making process. And um, it all sort of started with Max Purcell. It did. And in that article, you asked uh, Wally Masua, who's uh, head of performance at Tennis Australia, about the Max Purcell situation. And his response was, uh, Roddy, this will be dealt with internally. That, that, that was something he didn't really want to go into. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't. And that's not at all surprising uh, for mine. I think that um, he, he's obviously going to toe the, the, the line to say, well, you know, that'll be dealt with internally. Max had a grievance. That'll get discussed. You know, it doesn't need to be brought out into the sunlight of the, the general community. Um, it's not surprising to hear him say that. But, uh, you know, whether that relationship between Max and Leighton can be saved, who knows? Um, it doesn't sound like it's that great at this point in time. But, yeah, Wally obviously wasn't too keen to discuss it. So, Roddy, Tom Fancutt, who's been quoted in the article, uh, Tom is a, um, has been around for quite some time, a Queenslander. We spoke to Tom on this show last year. He and Jeremy Beale took off and played a big chunk of the year in Tunisia, playing singles and doubles and having sort of equal success. But, you know, one thing we've learned in recent times is that Tom's probably now going to try and focus more on doubles as his pathway to getting to a, a better position in tennis to create more opportunities to earn a living out of the sport. So he he has been happy to put himself out there to be quoted. We also had another uh, player who wanted to be anonymous, and that's a title he's right, who was also uh, quoted. What, what's the biggest thing you've taken out of putting this article together and speaking to a, a cross-section of a, a few Australian players and then what you heard from Tennis Australia? What, 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 what are the takeaways for you? What sort of struck me initially, Brett, was... Um, speaking to Tom was the divide between sort of the haves and the have-nots. So those that are part of the TA family and Purcell called them Hewitt's boys and those that are in that, that core cluster of, let's call them the lucky few. And then there's the wider group that aren't as fortunate. And initially when um, Tom didn't get the wild card, he felt he was deserved, deserving of, he received a ton of support from players and coaches alike, basically saying, chin up, you'll get there, don't worry about it, you deserve, you deserve it, all that sort of positive commentary. And then I spoke to Tom today and I said, you know, the article's been up, um, you know, he's, he's obviously a heavy part of it, what's the reaction been? And he said straight away, you know, the reaction's been overwhelmingly positive, everyone's congratulated him on having the courage to be able to go out there and put his neck on the line and say, this is how I feel about it all and this is what's wrong and all that sort of stuff. So I think the biggest thing for me is if he's getting this overwhelming support, you know, Tom might just be one person, but he's representative of a much larger group. Um, and so I think there is a lot of discontent out there and it's not just necessarily a case of sour grapes or anything like that. I think Tom speaks for quite a large portion of the playing community. So so one thing, and look, this is, I suppose, been bubbling around for a little while. There's something we often talk about uh, off air and, we haven't quite sort of brought to light in this form and you've done it beautifully in your piece and we wanted to expand on that for those that haven't uh, checked out thefirstserve.com.au and who follow us on our social media channel. So I recommend you go and read the piece in its totality and we'll do a follow-up on this uh, next week. But the, the most glaring thing that's come out of it, Roddy, is that there doesn't seem to be a set criteria and reward for performance. This is discretionary and can be sometimes maybe based on uh, furthering, for example, a, a singles player who might have a great doubles ranking. So just to, just explain to our listeners how the doubles worked in particular, how many wildcard spots were up for grabs. So Tom Fancutt, just based on what we've heard from him, 
presented a pretty fair argument why he should have got a wild card ahead of a lot of other players based on performance and ranking. Absolutely. So Tom was at a point where he felt like he was deserving of some opportunities. His ranking had got to, you know, 350 odd in the doubles, which might sound a little bit of a way away from a Grand Slam um, spot, but he was ranked higher than 11 of the 12 recipients of doubles wildcards for the main draw of the Australian Open. The one who was ranked higher than him was Nick Kyrgios and, you know, history says the rest there. But Tom, Tom felt that he was deserving. He applied to play with another player um, and that other player applied to play with him. So they both went to Tennis Australia and said, hey, we want to play with one another. Uh, TA then turned around and said, no, that's, that's not how it, it necessarily works. Um, we, we will select who you play with. And sometimes that is the same pairings that sign up together, but sometimes that's not. And Wally had that much to say as well. He said that this year they juggled a few teams and, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily who you asked to play with was who you did play with if you were lucky enough to get the wild card. So Tom was snubbed. Um, in essence, his ranking was better than a lot of these players. He had some huge, a huge win in the week leading up against the world number two pair. And then the player that Tom asked to play with ended up getting a wild card with someone else, who's clearly someone that TA has their eye on as, as a future prospect. Um, I don't think it serves us to name the, the other players, but the point being that, uh, you know, Tom was a red hot chance. He felt like he deserved it. And I think the playing community would probably agree that he did. He didn't get it. And then what we've also learned through this process is if TA don't like who you sign up with, they'll have you play with someone else if they want you to play at all. And if they don't, then you won't be playing. Last one, because we're short for time. And I want people to go away and read this article in full, as I mentioned. Where, where do you sit as a, you know, you're, you're as much a tennis fan as I am. You're immersed in the sport. Where do you sit philosophically, um, Roddy, just on wild cards in general? I think I think they certainly have their place. I mean, we saw part of the beauty of wild cards this year at the Australian Open with, with Andy Murray. You know, the Melbourne crowd got to see Andy Murray again. We got to see Sam Stozer's win. You know, that wouldn't have happened without the wild cards. So I think there's definitely a place for them. I think that more often than not, they're used in, a, in the manner you'd sort of expect. But just sometimes there's these abnormalities and where there's no criteria or transparency, these abnormalities can sort of, sort of, upset a few people because they don't know why it's happening and all that sort of thing. And so I think that if there was a more rigidly defined structure as to how these work, what a set criteria might be, then there probably wouldn't be so much discontent within the playing group. But I think there's definitely a purpose there. It can help, as Tom says in the article, they can help people who deserve to be at a certain spot. It can help them get there quicker. We can see more of champions and those that deserve an extra, an extra lap. Um, but yes, it's, it's a difficult process. It's not easy, but um, I'm definitely a fan of them. But I just think that it could probably be improved a bit. Roddy, thank you. We'll uh, read this article uh, certainly in more depth, uh, or I'm telling everyone else to read it in more depth. I've read it uh, quite a few times, but really appreciate it. Great read, and we'll continue to follow this uh, with much interest. Thanks, BP. Appreciate it. Roddy Reynolds, uh, author of Inside the Playing Group's Frustrations with TA's Wild Decision Making. I'll come back with some responses from you out there and Todd Langham, coach of the Nasi Kokonakis, not too far away. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis.
Welcome back to the first serve. Uh, Roddy Reynolds, a great piece, as I mentioned. If you haven't come across it, inside the playing group's frustrations with Tennis Australia's wild decision-making around wild cards. Here's a bit from you today across our social media from Leanne. There needs to be more transparency at TA in general, from finances to staff employment, financial statements, doesn't go into depth enough. Players, uh, there should be a selection process to ensure potentials meet uh, each criteria. Sometimes it can feel like it's not what you know, but who you know. It's one thing that Bernard Tomic got right, maybe the only thing. The favourite system within the ranks of TA, rather than the players' rankings or current form, if you're not part of uh, the in crowd, you're out. From Tammy, wild cards can be used however tournaments see fit. I don't think there needs to be a criteria. They often used to help a tournament say goodbye to greats uh, who play, whose ranking may have dropped or help uh, popular players come back from injury or illness. From Andrew, simple solution is to get rid of the wild cards. It's a dodgy boosting of ranking and money for players from the Grand Slam's host nation. From Glenn, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's always the same guys. From Bill, typical TA, no transparency, no accountability, no common decency. Now, It'll be dealt with internally. The whole tennis setup in Australia needs a complete overhaul. There was a couple more that uh, came through today. These are your thoughts out there on our social media channels. Uh, one from Darren. Start with the why. Why are the players feeling like this? Why is the leadership group in their positions? Why is it their clear guidelines and transparency? Why and then what? What is the objective? What is the goal? What do they want? Why? What? How? Clear communication. Clear understanding of how. My question is, what is the agenda of the people making decisions? Adolfo says, I'd sign a petition to formally have TA create a transparent selection criteria that can easily be justifiable based on results, quality players defeated and consistency over a period of time. We currently have the beginnings of a resurgence in Australian tennis on both the ATP and WTA. Why not reward our athletes who perform well and that'll help build brand awareness success breed success. I'll go to a few more of your thoughts uh, before the hour is out, but it's um, it's a, a topic that you know certainly garners plenty of emotion, that is for sure. Well, as tennis fans, the roller coaster journey of Thanasi Kokonakis is something we've all been on. Seeing an exciting young talent burst onto the scenes, cracking the top 100 at the age of 19 to the cruel injury trail that the South Australian has been on over the last five years or so. 2021, he returned to the tour, largely off-Broadway, just grinding his way back. The start of 2022 brought him his first ATP Tour singles title in his hometown of Adelaide, and also now a Grand Slam doubles champion winning the Australian Open. The man who's been alongside him for a, a large chunk of the journey is Todd Langham, who is the longtime coach of Thanasi. Todd, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Brett. It's uh, it's been a, an incredible year, but I just want to go back to to last year because Thanasi and we've seen him on the big stage of Adelaide and the Australian Open. Uh, Todd, the last uh, four weeks, uh, get the kudos. But last year, you and he and Todd Lay, also who's part of the the coaching setup, you were playing a lot of challenges. You were travelling to. Uh, places here, there and everywhere, just to get this ranking back up, to get some continuity back into his tennis, just to see him play a fair chunk was great. Just take us back to how important last year was to getting his career back on track. Yeah, far out. What a what a grind last year was. I don't even like thinking about it, to be honest. So the fact that you've asked the question has really annoyed me. But <laughs> Sorry about um, that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was um, it was everything. It was it was uh, he did such a good job. Uh, in fact, the whole team really did 
Um, we, we set a goal of, of playing between 20 and 26 tournaments. Mm. Uh, we hit 23. Um, it was a real grind. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the chance to come back to Australia was very limited. So we knew we were going to be away for a while. Uh, Todd was having a baby. Um, you know, obviously I've got a young family. So it was really, um, you know, it was a heavy, uh, uh, heavy load for the families back here as well. So, you know, Sanasi was away for, I think it was nearly over 10 and a half months. Yep. Um, it was just, um, it was really important that he stuck to the plan, um, gave everything he could. Obviously, there were some weeks that he just uh, mentally, he, he really, we really couldn't get up for. Um, we tried to get the best out of him th- those weeks and uh, we knew how important those weeks were uh, for for the coming year and, um, I thought he did an outstanding job and people look at, you know, January and say, well, that came from nowhere. And I'm like, well, come on guys. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we, this was a, this was a 13, 14 month process. And, um, you know, we, we've worked really hard with his fitness trainer, Jonna, um, and, um, and Todd to try and make sure that he stayed healthy. He had a few niggles, but like every player does, uh, niggles are a part of professional sport. He yep. worked through them and, yep. Um, obviously got the reward in January uh, of, of winning his first tour title, which was, you know, for me, uh, coaching him from seven and him winning the tournament in, in Adelaide was hmm. just uh, so special, so special. Yeah, no doubt. And you guys are tight. You have an amazing bond. Um, you're almost sort of like brothers in a sense, uh, Todd. And you talk about having a young family and the sacrifices you're going to make, which a lot of coaches do particularly, you know, of players that come from Australia who face different logistical issues than Europeans yep. or Americans who can maybe, you know, duck home for a little period. They've got a base. Um, it's tough for the Aussies, you know, to get back even in normal times, uh, such as the yep. uh, the distance. But do you feel like, and you just talked about the physical side, and you, and you can see the physical growth in the Nasi. Do you feel confident now as a team around him, and most importantly himself, that he's got now the... Um, the, the physical side in check that he can now be durable from this point on because he's been to hell and back with injury. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, I don't like harping on it, but I know him extremely well. Um, and, you know, the joke at my wedding was I've, you know, been with Nancy and slept with him more than I not more nights than I had with my wife. But, um, you know, we know each other extremely well. Um, you know, we've got a really good trainer in, in, in Jonna. Um, and we just, uh, we know when we have to push and we know when we actually have to pull the reins and, and, yeah. and actually hold him back. And, you know, Thanasi's an incredible competitive uh, person and he really wants to, you know, prove to Australia uh, and to himself that, you know, he, he, he can really do this ATP thing and get his ranking right up there. But, Sometimes as a team, we've had to pull him back and say, um, you know, today's about resting and recovery. Um, and, 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 you know, and that was a tough conversation, you know, many times, you know, uh, in the last 13 months. But he did it and he stayed healthy. We had no serious injury. And, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're really um, happy with where we're at. And um, we feel that um, if we keep going down this journey, you know, Obviously, we can, can't control the wins and losses, but we'll, we'll give it our best shot in preparation and um, we'll go out there and, and have a crack. I mean, I, I've got a tennis eye. Everyone listening in tonight's got their own tennis eye and how they see the game, how they look at the Nasi play, and everyone can see the upside. 
clearly that you know if he can stay injury free you know top 50 he got to uh you know what uh, 60 odd uh, back when he was a, a 19 year old everyone can see that if he can stay fit and healthy no doubt he will be a top 50 player maybe become our our uh, our best player but what does your eye tell you of just the competition around him and and what are the what are the traits do you think Todd that he's got that can elevate him past a lot of his contemporaries yeah i mean I think Blind Freddy can see that he's got a, a, a really nice forehand and it's um, he can do some serious damage. But I, I, I keep trying to bring it back to Fanasi's mental side and, and, and getting him to understand that in the biggest moments, he's able to compose himself better than uh, his opposition. And, and, and sometimes, well, often, you know, we look at, you know, the physical stuff of players, but I feel like the real strength it actually lies within uh, the players of, of, of what's internal and how well can they uh, stay composed under extreme pressure um, and, and then obviously back themselves to deliver, um, you know, what they need to. And, um, you know, I believe that, you know, his inner is, is his real strength. So I think there's obviously things in his game that need to keep improving. Um, uh, we're working on that and, um, you know, he's aware of them. We've got a really good... Um, you know, analytics dude in, uh, you know, Nick uh, from Sydney. Yep. He's amazing. And um, we're spending a lot of time or well, hundreds of hours uh, reviewing uh, Fanasi's matches and, 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 and going through technical and tactical uh, areas with him. And, um, you know, the, the really big one was in, in, in January, you know, we thought we um, nailed his backhand line really well and, and, and it kept guys a little bit more off guard and, I believe that it really opened it up and uh, allowed him to use his forehand a lot better as well. So, yeah, I, I just think his his internal strength is yep. is something that we we keep talking about, and 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 that that real character that that the Aussies love to see um, is, is something that I believe is, is a strength of his. Well said, uh, Todd. Unfortunately, time's going to beat me with commercial obligations here. I think we'll do it. Let's let's do a part two at some stage on the road uh, throughout the year. But number one, it's great to see Thanasi fit and healthy. He's got clearly the game that can uh, take him a lot higher on the ATP tour. Uh, and you're doing a magnificent job. And uh, I think you know, there's not enough coaches who have been with their you know players for the, the length you have. I mean, coaches chop and change, but you obviously got a great yep. relationship. And I, I wish you all the best uh, for this year. Another year where we just see him play consistently and fit and healthy. And l- let's have a, a take two through the year. No, thanks very much for having me, guys. Todd Langham, long-time coach of Thanasi Kokonakis. So all thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Another Monday night uh, goes uh, pretty quickly, as it always does. So we're talking the world of tennis, trying to pack uh, a fair bit in. Thank you to Roddy Reynolds. Good read inside the playing group's frustrations with Tennis Australia's wild decision-making. A couple more responses from you out there who uh, communicated with us on our social media over the last 24 hours. Uh, Rodney says, doesn't seem merit-based. Wait until Cruz is 18. Let's a little dig at Leighton Hewitt. This is from you out there and 
You're entitled to your say. That's what this show's all about. Why would TA start now on transparency? They answer to no one. Scott says you are either in or out. Make no mistake, though, you can be dumped just as quickly if you're not in with those that matter. It's disgraceful. So there's plenty of uh, opinions. No surprise. Michael on the text, how the hell did TA determine who plays with who? Surely teams apply and then judged on their credentials. Well, based on what we're told... Uh, by the players, that is uh, that is not the case. And Wally Masu has been quoted in the article as well. So I suggest you have a read. We'll do a follow-up on that uh, next week. All thanks to Hume Tennyson Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which is tennis for everyone. Family day uh, this Sunday, in fact, from 10am. Perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete, it's very close to Melbourne Airport. Accommodation is available, very close to... The centre there. You can find out more at humetennis.com.au. Tim Connolly and the team will certainly look after you. And make sure you go shopping at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. You can shop there this week. They've got their e-zone clearance as well. Tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE, all one word, one zero. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au, and our socials during the week. Talk to you next Monday, 8 o'clock. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.